Hello everyone and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll in the hills again today. Lovely day. Little bit of sunshine, gentle breeze and there's hardly anyone around which is quite nice. It can be a little bit odd for us doing this because as you know we we walk past people and <laughs> sometimes we do get slightly odd looks if we continue the uh, the train of thought that we're on at the time or discussing the Lao Tzu. <laughs> I think they, they wonder what on earth that we, we're doing. So we're holding up this strange device in front of us, our recording device, and um, <laughs> talking about the Tao or uh, inflation or whatever it is that we're discussing at the time. But today... We are going to be moving on with our Lao Tzu series. I'm not sure where we're up to. Picture, we've got the book today. Chapter 63. Chapter 63, apparently that's where we're up to. So let's have a little read through that and see what we think. It's quite long, this one. Okay. So be let's prepared. Just, let's totally go for it. Chapter 63. The sage does nothing, and so he never fails. He holds on to nothing. And so he never loses. Whereas the rest of us always seem to mess up our lives just at the moment when we seem to be succeeding. That's why the sage wants nothing for himself. He doesn't want precious things or possessions. What is he? A student of the unknowable. So he doesn't make mistakes like the rest of us, but always tries to help us to be true to who we are without ever standing in our way. And so he says, do things Wu Wei by doing nothing. Achieve without trying to achieve anything. Savour the taste of what you cannot taste. Make a small thing great and the few into many. Take on the largest things when they're still small. Start the hardest things while they're still easy. It's always the person who thinks things are easy that finds them the hardest in the end. The way he sees it Everything's potentially tricky, so he never ends up out of his depth. <laughs> I quite like the uh, the second uh, or third line there, where it's going on about um, basically if you if you don't live with the live with the Tao, you're gonna mess up your life. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> well, what is true, you're gonna course. mess it up. Yeah. Slap. Slap. Yeah. <laughs> so what we got here? Well, basically, a lot of. Grandfatherly advice, I would say. And uh, Lao Tzu's returning to a theme that uh, that's pretty well present throughout this text, and that's the theme of Wu Wei, of non-doing. And this is all about that, and it fleshes it out a little for us. And shows us the attitude. I mean, Wu Wei is basically an attitude in some ways. Or a, perhaps even more accurately, a comportment. It's like an inner comportment. And this is an interesting term, quite an old-fashioned sounding term, isn't it? Yeah, comportment. And you talk about like the, com- the comportment of a, a sergeant major with his straight back, you know, and, and puffed out chest and all the rest of it. That's the comportment, the way, the way somebody holds themselves. There's an inner comportment, isn't there? The way we hold ourselves inwardly, the way we orientate ourselves towards our experience 
uh, as we live it, as we li and towards our lives as we live them. And Wu Wei is, is in some senses, a, a comportment like that, in that inward sense. And when Lao Tzu is concerned with the, uh, the actual minutiae of discipline, spiritual discipline, you might say, which isn't that, that often, because he tends to be somebody who warns us against over-egging it in that direction of overdoing it, of straining. I mean, the whole thing about Wu Wei, isn't it? You don't strain. You don't strain for a result. You try and utilise the natural grain of things. There's this idea that the universe has got a grain and you go in the direction of the grain, like wood has a grain. Mm. You try and play in a piece of wood across the grain, it kind of rips it all up, mashes it up and it doesn't end up very smooth. You want to plane it to smooth it, you're playing with the grain. Yeah. But the whole of existence has a grain. We ourselves have a grain. We have a direction. We have a... Uh, a texture and, and, and a composition that determines are we going to deal with a particular thing or a particular material, especially on a practical level. And Lao Tzu is always, 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 always practical. Okay, so what do you say about Wu Wei here? Well, the sage does nothing so he never fails. Well, if you don't do anything, you won't fail. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you have to have a project yeah. to either succeed or fail. But he's not and, saying don't have projects. Yeah, and he holds on to nothing, so he never loses. So you, so you might think he says don't have projects, but a, a couple of pages previous to this, he's telling you that you're going to have this project of of ruling the nation. You know, <laughs> yes. so it's not like it's he's a really big project there. So it's not it's not as though he's against projects. He's not against projects at, at all. In fact, he's telling us if you're going to have projects, this is how to pursue them. And he says, well, the, the size does nothing, never fails, holds on to nothing, never loses. Whereas the rest of us all seem to mess up our lives just at the moment when we seem to be succeeding. And that is actually a, ve a very subtle point that if you have a project, a big creative project, you, perhaps, you, perhaps you were trying to paint a picture 10 foot, 10 foot wide and you'd only ever previously painted A4 watercolours or something. You know, this would be, be a challenge. And the chances are that you'd go off in the last tenth of what you needed to do. It, you, the thing would flip off sideways and you wouldn't get the result you thought you were going to get. And it's, there's so much in life that's kind of like that, where you, you, you miss at the last minute. You know, the, the projects almost come to fruition, but there's, there's a little twist happens at, at the end. And I don't, know, I don't know how you explain this in terms of physics or anything. But I would imagine if you weren't too attached to the outcome of the painting... Yeah. And if it flipped off a little bit to the side at it wouldn't, the end, it wouldn't matter became anyway. something that you weren't, yeah. uh, you didn't expect, and yeah. perhaps something better than you well, expected. Yeah. It, you it, just it, allowed the little mistake to happen at the end. I that's mean, right. I've done lots of paintings that were like pretty much a mistake from beginning, yeah. beginning to end, and the, the yeah. outcome was really good. Well, well, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's because that kind of that that di that diversion from your intention. 
towards the, the end of, of a project. Could produce something better. And, I don't know, I think there's a part of Wu Wei where, 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 which is a little bit like, well, I'm going to go in that direction, but I'm not quite sure like, exactly where I'm going to end up, but I'll go anyway and we'll see. Mm. And if, it, if the result's within a certain range, that's fine. You know, if it'll do the job that, that we're after or the practical thing, or even if it's just a matter of expression or something like that, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know. So that's, so suddenly, with the Wu Wei, because there's, there's not a, a super attachment to the result, there's a relaxation in the execution. And I think a lot of what he's wanting to say, that is if there's a certain ease, lack of anxiety in the execution of anything, from war to diplomacy to statecraft, to painting, to agriculture. Just like normal everyday living. And to normal everyday living, that, that, that it's, it's better to be not anxious than, than anxious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and from the point of view of the practicalities of life, it's actually a lot better. It, 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 we are... We are more likely to produce effective results in our endeavours if we're not gnashing our teeth as we, as, uh, with anxiety and ambition as we, as we pursue our tasks. And this is a lot of what this, this is about. It's about being re really chilled and it's also about going with the grain. And at the end of the day, the grain determines the result. There's a certain amount of brute... Inertia in existence, in things, in rocks, in houses, in stones, in streams, in trees. A certain amount of inertia. There's, we can do things with all of these things. We can blow them up. We can knock them down. We can make things out of them. You can chop a tree down, get the timber, make a table. But there's a certain point beyond which you can't grow, which is the, the brute resistance of matter to our ambition. Yeah. And which, which, which determines what we can and can't do. Now, obviously, the easiest thing for human beings is destroying. We can probably now just destroy just about anything. <laughs> Unfortunately. But putting stuff to good use and non-destructive use is another matter, as we're, as we're finding out with, with oil and so forth and certain aspects of our technology that, that deliver, deliver great goods with the one hand and deliver great ills with the other. And part of this wu-wei is, is a kind of lack of personal ambition, which I think we've already mentioned, you know, and Lao Tzu puts it as that's why the sage wants nothing for himself. He doesn't want precious things or possessions because he is a student of the unknowable. I really like that line. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. a lovely phrase, a student of the unknowable. It is absolutely beautiful. That's lovely. And, and, and so he doesn't make mistakes like the rest of us. And, and there is an unknowable in, 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 in everything. And this, this is, again, a part of one's comportment to life. In, in one's comportment to life and the unfolding of events, which is our own personal experience, do we imagine that the universe is completely accessible to our knowledge? 
to our ability to know? Is every complete aspect of the universe un- uncoverable? Is it describable to the last degree in mathematics and logic? And some people think so. And this is a very fundamental orient- ontological orientation to life. Yeah, and other people don't think so. I'm one of them that doesn't think so. I, th- I, think, I think physics, for instance, is able to go a very, very long way in describing a lot of the universe, a lot of the material universe, very, very accurately with predictive uh, precision of parts per trillion, you know, even. And that makes you suspect that the universe is structured on maths and logic, that that is the, uh, the underneath structure of it. And it seems like that, and it seems like that to, to uh, physicists, uh, um, theoretical physicists, mathematical physicists, and, 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 you know, to, and to mathematicians. But it seems to me that there's an, in, 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 an ineluctable reminder. See, this, 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 this uh, logicism view of the universe says that there is no reminder... When we've done all the maths and we've got all the descriptions are in, that's it, end of story. No reminder. But this view, though we recognise the amazing precision of physics and the amazing power of using hypothetico-deductive methodologies, at the same time we say that there's, there's a reminder, there's, a, there's a, bit, a bit where you can't go. And... Or you can go, you enter it, of course, but, but another, another layer of mystery appears. Now, I'll, I'll draw your attention to what happened pretty well, the turn of the 19th century into the 20th century. I mean, scientists actually seriously thought that they'd more or less, got it, they'd more or less described all natural phenomena with great precision mathematically. In other words, that the work of physics was almost done. There was a few little anomalies to, to mop up. Right, this is like 1900 or something. Einstein comes along with, with relativity, and then, and then and quantum comes along, and there's a few little puzzles around electromagnetism or something still, and then they start tinkering around with that and investigating, and suddenly radioactivity was, you know, one of the phenomena that blew it all apart. Was the the the, the, um, the study of radioactivity. The study of quantum phenomena, sort of black body radiation, and 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 thinking about the big scale, you know, a la special relativity, general relativity, and all of those things, plus uh, in in different spheres, Freud's uncovering of the fact that we're not masters in our own house, in our own consciousness, in other words added a certain weight to this general tendency and it was a disillusionment with this idea that we know everything now. Suddenly it became apparent that we didn't know everything now, that there was a whole universe of mystery hidden behind these uh, phenomena that were thought to be just a matter of crossing the the, the T's and dotting the I's. How do
So, that's not to say that the point might not come when, I don't know, in another hundred years or something and, and the scientists get all kind of like blase again and say, oh, we did it, uh, we, we know everything now. And that might be it, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying because historically it's panned out that way, that is, that is how it must necessarily pan out. That isn't uh, like a, a complete knockdown argument against against there being an ineluctable mystery at the core of things. That somehow we can enter, but which we enter forever. It's infinity, you know, it's the vortex of becoming, I call it. You know. That's just a good line. The, uh, it's just this kind of like, well, a vortex that you enter into. This, that will reveal mystery forever. Will be an encounter into mystery forever. That's why I like walking up here when the mist comes down, <laughs> because that that is being a student of the unknowable. Well, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone else. <laughs> you need, well, you do need to, like us, know every blade of grass by its first name up here, which we do. <laughs> and then you find you are by looking, you're kind of looking at your feet, you know. But it's a tremendous experience because the mist comes down real thick sometimes. So this, this is a very, very important point, you know, and of course mystics everywhere always say, well, there is ultimately a mystery. And that can be kind of scientists, you know, you can be a, a scientist with this, this mystical intuition of the never-endingness of, of, of our inquiry. So it's also a warning against the, the hubris of saying, oh, well, we know everything now. It's a tremendous hubris, and every time human beings have done that, they've come unstuck. That's who says, downfall for it. You know, and if you realise that encountering the mysteries is like a huge, a huge turn-on, a huge high, a huge epiphany, a huge epiphanic moment. Yeah, there is nothing to regret in that, you know, but I mean, I do know that some people do regret. They do regret what they don't know. But somebody like Lao Tzu doesn't regret the unknowable. For them, it's a source of inspiration but also uh, the thing in life and in their own existence which tells them Wu Wei take it easy go with, the, go with the grain and the flow have projects by all means that's a human thing to do but realise that if you use the grain you can, you, you, you can come up with some marvellous accomplishments if that's the right word it maybe isn't you know and you're less likely to fuck up. I mean, he says you never, you, ne you, you, you never, you never make a mistake. <laughs> I mean, somebody said that to me to me once. He said, you know, oh God, I make mistakes all the time. I said, well, I've never made a mistake in my life. <laughs> it's partly a rhetorical, a, a rhetorical turn, you know, but also partly, yeah, I'm very sincere about that because. Oh, can you make a mistake? <laughs> you know, I said, I said, I've been in hot water. I've got myself into hot water loads of times. More times than I shake a stick at. By the time you're my age, you probably will be the same. But that's not the same as making a mistake. You know, but there you go. It's a little bit of a little bit of rhetoric.
So the sage says, I'm quoting now, do things woo way by doing nothing. Achieve without trying to achieve anything. Savour the taste of what you cannot taste. That last line there, savour the taste of what you cannot taste, it's really just appealing to a sensitivity. And he's, he's, he's saying, try and comport yourself so that you have a great deal of sensitivity to, to things that maybe other people don't notice even. Mm. It's very, very sensitive to the grain things. If you're going to go with the grain, you've got to know what the grain is. Sometimes to look at the grain or something, you get a, you get a magnifying glass at You look close, it's very sensitive. Although, as a student of the unknowable, perhaps you, could you could you have like a knowledge of the grain whilst also uh, acknowledging that the grain is also unknowable? Well, no, the grain's, the grain's knowable, but the grain inside the grain might seem to be unknowable until you inquire it but that will reveal another unknowable you see being a student of the unknowable is that you're forever disappearing you're forever falling into that vortex of, of, of becoming you know it's I not like it's, isn't it possible to follow the grain without really without knowing what the grain actually is but well, it... you have to know its direction at least right yeah otherwise you, you can could... feel its direction but yeah. you haven't got like a rock solid um oh, it's, it's scientific not a... explanation of it's what a... it is no it's not a com- it's not a complete knowledge is what it what it, what it isn't it can be a very very detailed knowledge you know i mean it's different kind of knowledge isn't it well it's a it's a different kind of knowledge as well but it can be a very de- detailed, uh, scientific, quantifiable knowledge of, of the grain of something, in some respects. But still, you're student to the unknowable, because having penetrated that far into the, the grain of this particular type of wood, um, that you find that there's more to find out, and then there's more to find out, then there's more to find out, then there's more to find out. This is what student of the unknowable means doesn't mean we can't get these concrete knowings and, and definite and, and, and knowings that enable us to make predictions and to do things. It doesn't mean that. It, may, it means that the, the unknowable is that, that, that which recedes before us as, as, a, as a cloud of mystery as we move forward in, with our inquiry. It's quite, uh, it's quite something, <laughs> it's quite tricky. And like you said, things are tricky. A bit further on, things are tricky. You know, this is everything is potentially tricky. That's why he never ends up out of his depth. You have the respect for the trickiness of things. I mean, I, I, I would say that one of the frustrating things about listening to our politicians and pundits is, is that they have no sense of how tricky things are. They think, oh, well, we'll just do this. We'll just get Brexit done. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, even that phrase, you know, get Brexit done, it shows that they have no, no sense of subtlety whatsoever. You know, they have no sense of the fine d- detail. They have no sense of the sensitivity and, and awareness required to understand anything. You know, and it's, and, and, but the sage doesn't get into those difficulties because he takes it from the outset, oh, this is tricky. And everybody else said, why, why, why are you making every weather of that? Just do it. And he might say, hang on a minute. Because he's penetrated and you can see this big cloud of mist just over there, you know. So I'll go in here a little bit and say, mm, yeah, OK. I'm ready now to have a go, you know. It's a kind of, it's a kind of caution. And I can say if you misunderstood this, you might, you might become paralysed or too cautious. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's a there is a danger there, misunderstanding this. And people do think it means having no projects. And it, it precisely doesn't mean that. But it gives you the comportment, which in Lao Tzu's view is, is the one which will enable you to pursue projects and be moderately successful, inverted commas. Because actually, you know, success and failure stop having very stark meanings, don't they, when you like look at things this way as well. So. But Wu Wei, yeah, he's, 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 he's had a, a very brave stab, I would say, in this one, in this chapter, at trying to give us a little bit more of the grain of Wu Wei itself. I mean, there's a task. What's the grain of Wu Wei in this, this, this world, which is ultimately never finally exhaustible with our, our mathematics or our descriptions or our poetry or anything? There's always a bit more. There's always a, a level of mystery just over there somewhere. And that's where the beauty lies. Yeah. The world's beautiful because it's mysterious. It's sublime because it's mysterious. Even more, that mystery is closer to sublimity to, to, than to beauty, but even though it's close to both of them. You know, those 18th century aesthetic categories that I find absolutely <laughs> indispensable. So can I have a look so if there's anything that, that, that I'll light on because we didn't we haven't gone we haven't gone through it line by line. I think we've done most of it there. So that's you know that subtlety that line savour the taste of what you can't taste is 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 an exhortation to arrive at that that subtlety sensitivity of, of awareness and, and and just awareness just a kind of raw easy non anxious awareness. Open this, as we keep saying, you know. He goes on, make a small thing great, and the few into the into the many. Take on the largest things when they're still small, and the hardest things while they're still easy. Well, I mean, it's very prudent. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's just a, an appeal when to some. When you see one rat in your kitchen, sort it out. Don't let it become a whole nest full of hats. <laughs> Rats in every single room in the house before you take some action. Yes. Yeah. And then this might remind you of somebody that the, the, the penultimate stanza. It's always the person who thinks things are easy that finds them the hardest in the end. That's our pal uh, Boris Johnson, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Go get Brexit done. We'll just do it. We will just do it. I'm no man to it. We'll just do it. I'll do it and I'll accept it because it's just easy. What are you all faffing about? And then, and then, uh, like, fly, it turns out really, really not to be that now, easy. Now, now flailing fly, fly around about to kind of restart the, the, the Irish troubles and have a trade war with the EU and get expelled by his own party. You know, on and on and on and on. And he's right, Lotus right. Trick things like that, they're tricky. At the same time, that's not a reason to be anxious because you just don't, you, 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 you're, you're fucking done with anxiety. You know, and also I think if you expect things to be tricky, because you know that there always will be some something that you didn't expect that would pop up. Yep, always. But you kind of factored that in. Yeah. Loosely into into your plans of extra time. Yeah. Or of some extra energy you kept aside for the yeah. unexpected thing. There's always going to be a glitch. When it does pop up, it's going to cause you less anxiety because yeah. you're sort of ready for it. So, oh, there'll be a glitch. Yeah. At some point. So, 
Yeah, Wu Wei. I, I, I think it's uh, easy to misunderstand. And uh, okay, I'm somebody that says, well, this is a lot easier than you think. But that's what makes it. That's that's me actually saying this is really really tricky. When I say to you, it's easier than you think. Wu Wei is dead easy. But it's so easy that it's not. <laughs> it's not because. That easiness makes it incredibly tricky because it's, it's it's a bit of a knife edge, really. You know, it's just there. Yeah. It's just there. And I mean, isn't there that uh, one of his phrases is the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao? Is yeah. that the correct yeah. phrase or something yeah. along those lines? Oh yeah, it? that's that's it. Yeah. So it can't be sort of absolutely pinned down because I know, uh, just asking for a friend here, um, you know, they, they want to know, well, what is it? What exactly is it? And it's like they can't, they can't quite be comfortable working with it because they haven't got it fixed in their mind as to, to what exactly it a def- is. A definition. Um, which, you know, yeah. I can kind of understand that. You'd be a bit like, oh, you know, you feel a bit, um, a bit nervous or uncertain, you know, yeah. working with the grain, working with the air. Um, yeah. Working with the Tao, if if you don't really know what it is, yeah. So or, or even more difficult, work, work, working with the perverse workings of your own bloody mind, you know, yeah. and your own unconscious mind, you know. And the, 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 and the, these all add levels of tr- trickiness. But at the same time, it's not. You haven't got to torture yourself for fifty years to to, to get this, you know. In fact, just. Buy yourself an A4 pad of some decent cartridge paper and some 4B and 6B pencils and a rubber and just go and scribble for a fortnight without wondering too much. You, you, you might even think, or, or you might even be happy just to produce a page of scribbles on it. Don't matter. Just and, and just just be aware of how, how the marks appear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of daft, daft stuff. You know, I mean, and that's, I don't that's know. It's like by using it and by working with it, that's yeah. how you learn to trust it. So I think when yeah. somebody just really wants to really pin it down, knows what it is, it's like because yeah. they don't feel they can quite trust it, perhaps yeah. if they don't really know exactly what yeah. it is. But if um, I think it's through experience of, of being with it, going with the grain. Yeah. Well, yeah, you become. Let it, you know, you're letting it move you this way and that way, and then yeah. finding out what the consequences are of that. Yeah. Um, and living that way, that's how you learn to trust it. Yeah. Well, you know, I've spent many years trying to persuade people to just catch a little bit of a glimpse of this and then and then to run with it. And uh, for me, me troubles, God knows how you end up in a position like that in life. Well, well I did. So. <laughs> And, and I would sometimes say to people, can you, can you ride a bike? And they say, oh yeah, I can ride a bike. And I say, well, I'll say, well, how do you do it? Get, imagine, this is your task. You've got to write a manual called How to Ride a Bike. <laughs> and, yeah. and then, then I just say, just go and think about that for five, five minutes and come back and say, oh yeah, I see what you mean. You don't know how you ride a bike. I mean, you can kind of theorise. You say, well, you start falling to the left, so you lean to the right, and then you start falling to the right, so you lean to the left. But you don't really. You just get on the bike and go. Once you've learned, yeah. the first time you learn, you fall off, crash into a lamppost, <laughs> you know, and you wobble all over the place. 
But once you've done it a few times, you just ride it. You just ride the bike. Just get on it and you ride it. You can't write a manual on how to ride a bike. Nobody's sitting there thinking, oh, I'm leaning to the left. It's all happening at, the, at some subliminal level. Plus, I mean, once a bike's got forward momentum, it will stand up anyway, you know, pretty well. Once until it gets tipped up, you know, some external force knocks it to the side. It's just a momentum. That's physics, you know. But I don't know, I don't know how they ride a bike. You get on your pedal, and you've got the brakes, that's it, you know. Yeah. And we way be, be, can become like that, you know. But you've got to, you've got to, you've got to fall off the bike a few times at the beginning. But I'm, I'm pretty sure most people who learn learn to ride a bike after a couple of goes are pretty well got it. And Wu Wei's like that. It's not like Wu Wei isn't like learning. A piano piece by scrabbing, you know, so you've got to kind of practice for 50 years, even if you're a very talented pianist, just because it's because it's so difficult, you know. Then like that, doesn't require a million a million repetitions, because there's a sense in which it's it's built in anyway. It's lurking in consciousness anyway. Even though, of course, it, you know, it can get covered over and, and, and obscured just by the, the, the pressures of living in society and, and culture. There was that to, to it, you know, but basically it's still there. So, yeah, woo why good stuff. Thank you, Lao Tzu. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on this walk with us today through the Welsh hills amongst the, the sheep and the tiny flowers. And the grassy paths of Barmouth Hills. Mary on this. Well, Yes, have a good apocalypse and look after yourselves. Yeah, definitely look after yourselves and we'll speak to you again soon, I'm sure.